Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today, the uh, Thursday edition of The Ride Home. Kath is off today. She'll be back in studio live with me uh, tomorrow afternoon. Hey, um, were, are you in pain, physical, emotional, spiritual pain? I'm looking at something online called the uh, Gallup 2019 Global Emotions Report. A current snapshot of people's positive and negative daily experiences based on more than 151,000 interviews with adults in over 140 countries in 2018. This is interesting. Uh, So Gallup went around the world and they asked these questions. Did you feel well rested yesterday? Were you treated with respect all day yesterday? Did you smile or laugh a lot yesterday? Did you learn to do something interesting yesterday? Did you experience the following feelings during a lot of the days yesterday? How about enjoyment? And then that's the positive side of it all. The negative uh, index questions are, did you experience the following feelings during a lot of the day yesterday? How about physical pain? Did you experience the following feelings? Uh, How about worry? How about sadness? Tell us, did you experience stress yesterday? Were you angry yesterday? So they took all these different questions, you know, positive and negative, and they compiled them into this um, global emotions report. This is really cool. 71% of the people who were polled worldwide said that they experienced a lot of enjoyment the day before the survey. 71%. Paraguay had the highest positive experience index worldwide. Paraguay. Afghanistan had the lowest positive experience. Now, that's no surprise considering the horror that's been going on in Afghanistan for multiple decades. Americans were more stressed than the residents of Chad, the world's saddest and most pain-stricken population, is Chad. 51% of Chadidians reported stress last year, just 51, along with 50 poor report, 50 poor, uh, 54% people reporting sadness. Two-thirds said they were worried, and 60% they felt physical pain. I mean, it goes on and on. So it's interesting. I think that as we, you know, when you wake up in the morning, right, when your eyelids first, first flutter into consciousness and you, you know, you come into focus, this is a pretty common experience, I believe, Right. The day, you know, the I think probably the the negative things. I mean, this is just me. Is this just me? The negative things come to the forefront first. What has to be done for the day? The fears you might have, or the burden. I guess the boy, that's lack of a better. The burdens of your life. Somehow, why, why did they carry more of the weight than the joy and the pain and the expectation? of what is about to happen during this day, the good things that are about to happen, as opposed to the sadness and the other things that you carry, the negative things. I wonder, this is human, isn't it? And then there's God in the midst of it all. Excuse me. There's God in the midst of it all. Uh, have you been a Christian all your life? You know, I know a lot of us have not, right? I mean, I've gone through periods. Well, if you would talk to me when I was a child, I would say, yes, of course, I'm a child of God. I was raised in a very strong Christian home. We prayed regularly. I knew Jesus. 
But then a lot of, like a lot of people, I fell away. I was an idiot, right? You go out and strike out into the world and God's in the rearview mirror. And then you become hedonistic and self-serving and you sing the opera of me, 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 me. And God is somewhere far, far in the past. And then by the <laughs> by the wonderful grace of God, because God doesn't forget you, right? Your name is written in the book. I know my name is in the book, God's book of life. He keeps me close. He drew me back in through my own idiocy and own foibles and foolishness and weakness. I got down on my knees. And I think that happens for a lot of people, right? It's a good thing. Painful as it is, it's a fabulous thing. We're going to talk to a guest a little later on the show who has a story like that. I think you identify with that if that's you. It certainly was me. Yes. So anyway, to back to the 2019 report, the Global Emotions Report. I wonder how, because that cannot be a good thing, how people who have this pain that we all do how do you operate day to day if you don't have Christ in your life, right? How does that, it's really lonely, isn't it? It's really heartbreaking. It's so sad and isolated and what? I'm going to repeat a mantra or I'm going to read some philosophy or I'm just going to think, okay, well, I'm going to gut this out and this too shall pass and that will be enough because I think a lot of people do that. But boy, it sure is better the other side, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, my goodness gracious. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me sane, for keeping us all. If you're, if you're a believer, thank you, Lord, for that gratitude of the rush, of the gift, of the beauty of your life and the strength. Because when I, I'm so weak and so in need of a Savior, that if you weren't there, what would happen to us? What would happen? So thank you, Lord. Especially, you know, we think about... Today is what Easter Thursday. Easter just a four days four days ago, five days ago, it was Easter Sunday. So Christ on the cross, who came down and changed the world because of that. Oh, because he took the nails. Thank you, Lord, for that. He took those nails for all of us, for the brokenness of humanity. So thank you, Lord. The global emotion report and the pain that we all share. Right From Adam and Eve forward, it is hard to be alive on this planet. There is no doubt about that. But the God of the Old Testament has given way to Christ of the New Testament. And all that is forgiven. And uh, we can rejoice in his peace and grace in our life. Hey, I, I think i got a good show for you today. We cooked up uh, any number of things. Do you know that uh, Focus and the family has been doing this uh, family getaway contest? We're going to talk with the guys from Focus and a, co- a couple of guys who will join us from the Adventures in Odyssey cast. I like that. always like to talk to voice actors and see how they're working. Dave Arnold and Phil Lawler will join us around 530. Uh, Stu Fuhlendorf is going to join us as well. Wall Street to the well. Man, holy smokes, this guy got a story. Talking about pain. And then in just a few minutes, Jerry Boyer, one of our favorite guests for many years, was behind the microphone here. Jerry is the editor of Town Hall Finance. He's going to talk about Judas, Judas's economics. I like this a lot. What does Judas have to do with the economy? Of course, the, uh, the pieces of silver, it goes a lot deeper than that. So stick around. In just a few minutes, we'll break away and then come back and set the table with Jerry Boyer. In just a few minutes here, the ride home on Word FM. Oh, and a big concert announcement as well. 
Don't miss that. Where this weekend, the spotlight shines on the music of Amy Grant. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Amy Grant. A career spanning over 40 years in contemporary Christian music. Amy Grant. She's great. She's great. She's really good. She's awesome. She's coming to Pittsburgh Saturday, May 4th to Amplify Church, Pittsburgh East Campus. And we're getting ready for the concert by playing Pittsburgh's favorite Amy Grant tunes. Great classic music. I just love it, yeah. Stay tuned this weekend for your chance to win tickets to the show from 101.5 WORD. It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create my pillows, Giza Dreams bed sheets. Try them once, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off MyPillow Dream Sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from my pillow. New message. Your social security number has been suspended. If you do not contact us, your account will be deactivated. Scammers are aggressive when they contact a potential victim. Social Security Administration employees will never threaten you for information or promise benefits in exchange for information. In those cases, the call is fraudulent and you should just hang up. Don't provide any personal or financial information to these thieves. Call the Social Security Fraud Hotline at 1-800-269-0271. Hi, this is Carrie. I'm so excited for May 5th. Why? Because it's Compassion Sunday. My family sponsored a child a couple of years ago on Compassion Sunday at our church, and it's been the best thing we have ever experienced. And I'm excited because I want you to have that same experience. Would you join us? Just go to Compassion.com slash Sunday to find a church near you that's hosting Compassion Sunday. That's Compassion.com slash Sunday. Got different companies running your web design, social media marketing, and geofencing, but not sure which is getting you customers and which is a waste of your dollars? Contact us at Salem Surround. We can put all your digital marketing under one roof, give you monthly reports, and instantly move your advertising to the most effective areas of your digital marketing suite. Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry is the editor of Town Hall Finance. He's a regular guest on our show. Hey, Jerry, good to see you. How are you doing today? I'm fine, buddy. How are you doing? Real good. Okay. Kath is not with us today. It's just uh, you and I, so thanks for coming along. I, I heard I heard that. That is um, that is a more than 50% diminution <laughs> in the quality of the show. Oh, I agree. We'll try to carry on. 100%, yeah. yes. I mean, really. Well, somebody joined us when Kath wasn't with me on the air, and uh, he walked out of the studio, and he said, John, I really love you, but you know, you're missing the zing. And uh, <laughs> I, so she's known around here as the zing. And truly, today. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, hey, so listen, uh, you, you came today to talk to us about Judas and the economy of Judas. Where are you going with this? 
Well, as we've talked about this really um, on and off for a little bit more than a year, um, which is the idea that um, the Gospels maybe are a little bit more of a pop-up book than we've given them credit for, in that they speak to all sorts of issues in life, not just salvation, not just the afterlife, not just you know our heart life um, and the traditional quote-unquote religious topics, um, but that they speak a lot about economics and finance. Yeah. Now, I think they speak about everything, psychology, politics, and everything, but those aren't my expertise. My expertise is economics and finance. So I try to read the Gospels through that lens, and we talked about this um, almost every time we've had these discussions, how Jesus, as he's sort of going through his life in Israel, he's going to different places, um, and he's going to different cities and different provinces and talking to different people with different occupations. And if we ignore those details, if we skim over those details, which we do, I mean, that's just how we read the New Testament. That's how we're taught as modern evangelicals to read the Bible, to get to the main point. What's the main point? Uh, Something about salvation or something about maybe prophecy in the second coming, you know, like that short list of things that evangelicals are supposed to be concerned about. Right. And then actually miss a lot. Um, And um, we've talked about how that really colors what Jesus says. That he, that he gives a Sermon on the Mount and a Sermon on the Plain, and one is given to a Galilean audience and the other is given to a Judean audience down in the political capital, and they're really different sermons uh, based on the different, uh, the different economics. And that even Mary, you know, when she's up there in Galilee, in Nazareth, and Gabriel comes and tells her she's going to have the Messiah, she gives one kind of answer, but then she goes down to Judea and meets with Elizabeth, her cousin, who's a part of the economic ruling class, and Elizabeth acknowledges the Messiah, and she gives this other answer, the Magnificat, which has all sorts of stuff about money, you know, wealth and poverty in it. Um, and we see this going through the Gospels really consistently, and even the Book of Acts. Um, this it's, it's 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 in Jesus, and it's in it's in Mary. Um, and because it was Easter, um, and it was Good Friday when I was researching this, I I looked at the Passion narratives. And I looked at Judas to say, does this pattern hold here, too? So so you're saying then the conversation about economics or money, just as though the conversation will be different in Millvale as opposed to Shadyside, as opposed to Fifth Avenue in New York City, it, it's, it's about the same subject in a way, but the tone of it and certainly the outcome of the conversation is different. It's about the same subject because Jesus is always about the same subject, which is the kingdom of God. Um, but... Some places he confronts some sins, and other places he confronts other sins. So, yeah, you know, if he's on Wall Street, if we, if, if we read modern stories, let's say you read a modern novel, and somebody is visiting Wall Street, and there's this rabbi who encounters a man who steps out of a very expensive luxury car, and he's wearing a $4,000, $5,000 suit, and he goes into a, a, you know, a high-rise, you know, and, and a rabbi confronts him, then we kind of we don't need to be told more about the man's occupation. We have a default expectation: this person works in finance. Right. If the guy's 25 um, and he's wearing a T-shirt and he's in Silicon Valley, uh, he gets out of a Prius. Um, then we've got a different expectation. I see, sure. Um, and if the and if the novelist is writing a story in which this guy's a brain surgeon. He's actually leading us astray if he doesn't say, by the way, this is a brain surgeon, because you have an expectation that this is a tech executive, right? A tech right, founder. right. And um, so we know our stories. 
So we know, you know, flag pin, red tie, blue suit, right, um, Washington, D.C., um, Pennsylvania Avenue or whatever, capital region. We, we know that someone who works in government, probably elected official, probably a member of Congress. So we know that stuff, but we don't know first century um, Palestine, Israel very well. We don't know that like the back of our hand, which means that requires research. And um, Bible teachers don't generally do a lot of that kind of research. So we don't know what Bethany means. Um, we don't know how Bethany is different from Jerusalem, different from Jericho, different from Nazareth, different from Capernaum, versus different from Bethsaida, different from, well, Sephiroth isn't actually mentioned, but it's sort of in the background, Tiberius, etc. Um, and so those details are sort of lost on us. And that's okay. You don't have to know those details to be saved. Um, but you, you have to know those details to understand the text, because those details are in the text. I see. And what we see is Jesus is a Galilean who has a Galilean approach to economics, which is very productive, very problem-solving, kind of egalitarian, you know, lots of small businesses, lots of farmers who own their own farm. And Judea is very much like Washington, D.C., a little bit of New York, a little bit of Rome thrown in, where you have a very hierarchical society, where you have a ruling class that's very economically exploitative of people who are not part of the ruling class. It depends on religious and political status. So the, So Judeans have a really different approach to economics than Galileans. And that's there in the background all the time. So there are all these little things like, you know, Jesus is down in Jerusalem and Peter's there and he's got a Galilean accent and someone says, you're one of them. Well, that's not just identifying him with Jesus. That's identifying him as a Galilean. Judeans had a certain attitude towards Galileans and Galileans had a certain attitude towards Judeans. And Jesus seems to have brought some of that Galilean attitude. But since he's God and perfect, it means that he's right. (laughs) <laughs> something about that Galilean attitude about J- Jerusalem and how it had become sort of corrupt and top-heavy and greedy and exploitative, um, that that he was right about that. So the class and the economic structure has always been there regardless. Jesus cuts through it because he's Jesus. Yes, and his judgments about it are infallible. So if Galileans didn't like Judeans because they thought they were being economically exploited, well, that's fine. The hinterlands often feel like they're being economically exploited. But Jesus is perfect. So if Jesus speaks from that point of view, he's not just a child of Galilee. He's also affirming it for us. So Jesus is siding in these confrontations with people who are actually producing something for a living, against people who make a living by taking, <laughs> by exploiting, by I political see. corruption, and by connection. Jesus is taking sides yes, yes. Um, on a political issue, which is that the people who use like religious rhetoric or political power to essentially plunder the hinterlands, Jesus isn't saying, well, it's all the same, I'm just talking about the heart. No, he's really tough on the rich young ruler. He's tough on Zacchaeus until Zacchaeus repents. He's really tough on the money changers. Um, and they're tough on him. They kill him. <laughs> they murder Jesus. So they, they kind of knew what was going on. Right. Uh, they, they didn't murder him over a theological difference. They didn't murder him because they didn't want him in, in their heart. Yeah. I'm perfectly happy that everyone wants Jesus in their heart. Just don't mess with our money. Show but me the money. They didn't mess with their money, and they killed him. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's good. Okay, so then in that whole mix then, as we're just coming out, this is you know Holy Thursday. I mean, this was you know Easter Thursday. We're just coming out of uh, Jesus being you know traded away, betrayed by Judas for the, uh, the 30 pieces of silver. Is that where you're headed? Yeah, uh, the Judas fits the pattern, that you start with what we know about Judas, where there's actually a lot there. First of all, his name, he's named Judas. Judas Maccabeus was the founder of the dynasty that was still ruling Jerusalem. 
right? So you have the story of Maccabees. You have what's called the Hasmonean dynasty. Judas Maccabees, Judas the Hammer. I think Judas the Hammer is a good guy. Um, and I think Jesus, Jesus signals that by celebrating Hanukkah, that that revolt against the Greeks was justified. But that, but that becomes a very – it ends with the Herods, and it's a very, very corrupt regime. So the family that Judas, um, uh, the Judas Iscariot comes from, you know, named him after the founder of the regime. Now, sometimes people, you know, they might name someone Lincoln, even though they don't like Lincoln, right? right. But his freed slaves named, you know, that when they were when they said you can choose a family name, they chose a lot of. There's a lot of Lincolns. There's a lot of Jeffersons, right? Um, there's Washingtons. There's people often say something political when they name their kids. Right. So naming Judas Judas is prima facie. It's not proof by a long shot. There's a lot more downstream, but just from the very beginning, he's named after the founder of that dynasty, which suggests the family had sympathies with the ruling class. Yes. Um, but then let's look at the other part of the quote-unquote name, Judas Iscariot. You know, is Iscariot the last name? Why aren't we given other last names in the Gospels? Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of uh, disciples. A lot of the Twelve are named. None of them are given a last name. Why? Because they didn't really do last names. They did places of origin. Judas Iscariot, Ish is Hebrew for man, Karioth was a city in Judea. Um, so it's literally Judas, a man of Judea. His father, we know from the Bible, was Simon Iscariot. Simon, a man of, of, of Karioth, which is in Judea. So um, the best scholarship on this indicates that it's not a last name. We tend to read it that way, like Jesus Christ, like Christ is his last name. No, Christ was his title. He's Jesus of what? What's he called often in the Bible? Jesus of Nazareth, right? So Nazareth was his place of origin. It's where he grew up. So Judas, a man of Cariot, was Judas, a man from Cariot, which was a Judean city. As far as we know, Judas was the only Judean among the twelve. So we've got twelve disciples, eleven are probably Galileans. Um, I mean, we have the origin story of most of them, and it's Bethsaida, it's Capernaum, it's Galileans. Um, There's some we don't know for sure, um, and then we have one who is identified over and over again, I think 11 times in the New Testament, he is identified as Judas Ish Cariot, Judas, a man of Cariot. So his origins are important, otherwise the Gospels wouldn't keep mentioning it. The Holy Spirit doesn't waste his breath, and vellum was expensive, so the the scribes didn't waste their ink, um, an expensive um, medium. So it looks like it's important that he's Judas, a man of Cariot, and Cariot was a Judean city. So Jesus is killed by the Judean elite, he confronts the Judean elite, and the man inside, the the one who, who betrays him, is a Judean. Um, so I think this really fits the idea that the members of the ruling class or sympathizers to the ruling class were the ones that Jesus was toughest on, and, and they were toughest on him because they're the ones who ended up killing him. So, then, Jerry, then, as Judas of Iscariot, from the, from the get-go, from the first introduction of his name, is he pegged as somewhat uh, as an outsider? Not, uh, he's part of the group, but he's not of the group. That's right. Uh, I think that that I think the gospel writers are giving us a signal because he tends to be identified as Iscariot earlier in the gospels rather than later. In other words, not every mention of Judas. There are 31 uses verses that have the word Judas in them. Uh, I think 26 are about him. Not every mention is mentions Iscariot, but the Iscariot mentions. I think there's 11 of them tend to be earlier in the gospels. So early on, the gospel writers are setting us up. This guy's different. 
This is somebody who we're going to give a place of origin to. We're not, we're not going to, this is someone we're going to point out his regional affiliations. So that later, as you read the story, someone who's reading at that time is probably not going to be terribly surprised that this is the one who betrays him. So there's all this kind of regional stuff that's going on in the background of the Gospels that we're not highly sensitive to. Um, but the gospel writers seem to be highly sensitive to it, based on the fact that Judas is freak is over and over again referred to as Judas Iscariot. Uh, there's other Judases mentioned. There's, there's a Judas um, um, who's a, one of the um, missionaries, and he's identified as Judas, not Iscariot. Um, there's another mention of a Judas who had been a revolutionary, and he's mentioned as Judas of Galilee. Right, so there's a Judas of Galilee who's a revolutionary, and there's a Judas of Iscariot who sides with the powers that be, um, seeks their favor, goes to them. They don't come and say, hey, Judas, we think you're on our side. We're going to give you money. The Gospels describe Judas going to them and essentially soliciting a bribe from them. So he is eager for money, and he's eager for their approval. And, and the other thing is that his way of thinking is very much a temple way of thinking. Um, and I don't know if we have time to get into this, but Jesus, Judas was the keeper of the purse. He has a confrontation in Bethany. Um, as he says that the perfume ought to be used for the poor um, so he can steal. So Judas is actually kind of a stand-in for the temple elite in general. I see. Who were the keepers, uh, who were the keepers of the common purse, who talked about the poor, but who stole. So was Judas, I don't know if this is true, Early on, was Judas pegged as a thief, as the holder of the purse? He could also skim if he chose to. I think that he is identified. I think that stories unfold, right? And the gospel writers are good storytellers. I don't mean that they're not writing history. They are writing history. When I call it a story, I'm not saying it's not true. Some stories are true. They tell the story Uh, well. They tell the story well, and I think that a lot of times in the Bible you have something early on, and you say, hmm, wonder if that's going to come to anything. Here's Judas. Uh, he's, he's named Judas. That's interesting. Uh, but, but there are good guys named Judas, too, so that doesn't mean he's necessarily going to be a bad guy. And then he's Iscariot. Oh, that's interesting. Then we find out he's the keeper of the common purse. Then he confronts Mary for giving uh, perfume to Jesus. So little by little, this guy is becoming clearer and clearer what he is. And I think people who are reading the Gospels back then, when they're written, um, are uh, who kind of know the background, are seeing, oh, I see, Judas is a stand-in for the temple elite. I see. So then at the Last Supper, when Jesus says, one of you will betray me, the early tellers or readers of the gospel were not surprised that Judas stepped out and betrayed Jesus. They weren't. And there's this bit about how Jesus um, uh, about how Jesus hands him bread and the idea, or alludes to bread, and the idea is, well, Judas is the keeper of the common purse. Um, and so is the keeper. So we know, or we know before we know Judas is a betrayer, we know that Judas is the keeper of the common purse. Now, what people of the time knew, which we tend to forget, is in the Torah, um, there was a poor tithe. A third of the tithe, let's say the tithe every third year, was for the poor, and it was administered by local elders. It was, it was um, given out as food um, in, the, in the gates, right, uh, to the, by the elders of the gates. It was locally administered, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, but what we, what we know is that not long before Jesus' time, the poor tithe was nationalized by Jerusalem. So it was no longer administered locally. 
Um, it w- basically, they took the poor tithe into the temple hmm. and talked about caring for the poor. So the Jerusalem elite had, be- had become holders of the common purse, the same as Judas. Uh, the problem is they didn't really help the poor. Um, they helped themselves. They helped themselves to the poor's money. So Judas is really exactly like the Judean elite that he, he's named after, that he is from, he's from around there, um, and that he thinks like. He thinks and acts like them. So there's a, there's a real social justice kind of dimension to this that they would tend to see and we would tend to miss. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry is the editor of Town Hall Finance. He's talking to us today, teaching us about the economics of Judas. Stay with us. Our conversation continues in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Across America, it's snoring season. Right now, 90 million Americans make this sound every night. Snoring can be caused by breathing through your mouth when you sleep. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, then you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring. Thankfully, there's Mute, an ingenious Australian invention that could quiet the snoring season once and for all. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device that sits inside the nose, supporting your airway and keeping it open while you sleep. You'll breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. In fact, in trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute, allowing them both a better night's sleep. Put snoring season to bed, America. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. Do you dream of owning your own home? Dollar Bank's free Mortgages for Mothers workshop can show you how to break the rent cycle. You'll learn the right way to home ownership with a plan to strengthen your savings and create less debt. You can even get help with restoring bad credit. Join Lynn Hayes Freeland and Dollar Bank at the free Mortgages for Mothers Home Buying Workshop, Saturday, May 11th at 9 a.m. at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Child care will be available. To register, visit mortgagesformothers.com today. Dollar Bank, equal housing lender. There's simply no explanation. Breakthrough is the feel-good, inspirational movie event audiences around the country are raving about. He just came back to life. Critics are calling it remarkable. A heartwarming story of faith, love, and community. The old fiercest mama bear I've ever known. From the producers of Miracles from Heaven. The power of God's love makes all things possible. Breakthrough. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Now play. Only in theaters. Indeed. Used by over 3 million businesses for hiring. Where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions. Then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. 
For tonight, we'll see rain at times, and there can be a thunderstorm as well. The low will be 57. Tomorrow, it'll be breezy, and it'll be turning cooler. We'll see some more rain at times. The high will be 62 early. The temperatures will fall into the mid-50s. Clearing tomorrow night, windy and colder with a low of 37. Windy and chilly for Saturday. We'll have clouds limiting sun with a high 57. Cloudy with a couple of showers Sunday. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strike. Talking about Judas and economics. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry's the editor of Town Hall Finance. So, Jerry, in this narrative, this wonderful story of Judas, well, I guess maybe it's not wonderful, but uh, is there the lesson to be learned? Does Judas teach us an, a lesson about economics? Sure. He teaches us one of the models of economics that we find in the world. And we see it in John 12, um, where Judas confronts Mary, um, uh, the mother of, um, of Martha and uh, Lazarus, um, in Bethany. Interesting town choice. Bethany um, it is probably the, probably the best translation of Bethany is, um, is uh, poorhouse. Um, so Bethany is a poor city, poor village outside Jerusalem. Um, so Jesus has friends there in the poorhouse in Bethany, um, and Judas um, confronts her uh, for anointing Jesus with a perfume that's very expensive. And so we see the kind of the game plan. What's the game plan? Use accusation to censure, uh, you know, use accusation and moral and religious manipulation to centralize control of money in the form of the money box that Judas controlled, yeah. which you then pilfer from for yourself. That's the playbook. And, and the Jerusalem elite are not the last elite in the history of the world to use that playbook, to talk about the poor, but to not actually help the poor, but instead help yourself. Uh, so you centralize economic control, you centralize the purse, uh, using accusation, manipulation, one-upsmanship and status, and then you pilfer the purse. That's a, that's a Judas economy. And when you see people doing that, we, you ought to be reminded that the person we see doing that in the New Testament is the worst person in the New Testament. Um, that, it's, that people like that are good at making themselves seem moral. They put you on the defense. Don't you care about the poor? Right? Well, if you can care about the poor, then let's then put, it in, put the money here in the center, and we'll take care of it for them. But when that happens, it always ends the same way. The people who talk that way and who accumulate the money find a way, whether it's direct pilfering, you know, illegal pilfering like Judas did, or whether it's legal pilfering in the form of contracts and, you know, uh, bonuses and uh, excessively high salaries. Um, that impulse to centralization, accusation, one-upsmanship always ends in one or another form of exploitation and theft. Oh, that's good. So it's the, Ju- the Judas economy. And so there was nothing like um, a charity navigator or anything like that to keep people accountable in some way if they wanted to sort of pull back the curtain and see how their money was being spent. There wasn't. And let's be clear, we don't have to just apply this to charities. Sure. Governments work this way, because I think Judas is really standing in for the Judean government. Um, because we think of the tithe as a voluntary thing. The problem is the high priest had the power to beat people who didn't tithe. So you have stories, and I think it's in Josephus, where the high priest is sending people out, sending, sends out tax collectors who beat people up with sticks if they don't send the tithe. Um, so the tithe was essentially just another tax. Um, and the poor tithe was supposed to be administered locally. Instead, it was administered nationally. Um, and then people would dip their beak in. I mean, wh- wh- how did the rich young ruler get rich? He wasn't a software entrepreneur. The rich young ruler got rich 
uh, um, by put, dipping his his beak into that temp, into those temple treasuries. Yes. Um, so they're all getting wealthy um, off of allegedly helping the poor. So we might think of it as religious only. Um, some of us will think of it as political only. Back then, religion and politics were pretty fused. So I think it has both political and religious um, lessons. So churches that centralize control of the poor box, I think, stand in the suspicious box, you know, based on this story. But so do governments that centralize the poor box. I think anybody who's centralizing power in the name of the poor um, is to some degree on their way to the Judas economy, as opposed to the Jesus economy, uh, which uh, is the opposite. The Jesus economy gives, the Judas economy takes. And But for most people, right, it's just a matter of trust, that you show up, you do the right thing, you know, you you do your uh, nine to five or whatever, you know, your gig is, and you pay your taxes and you, you know, you try to be charitable, hopefully you tithe, uh, all that. I mean, what's interesting is just a couple of weeks ago, and this is neither Democrat or Republican, whenever the Democrat uh, candidates for president, they released their tax returns. It was shocking to see super wealthy How people. How little they give. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They gave nothing. Yeah, right. Um, Democrats who talk about the poor a lot. Right. right? Um, on the other hand, Republicans. I remember it came out when Rick Santorum, um, when he released his tax returns, and he was a like a one and a half or two percent giver. Holy smokes! Um, you know, so it's like you know, and this is somebody. I mean, it, it's 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 hypocritical for both Republicans and Democrats because Democrats allegedly care about the poor, but they don't give to the poor. Right. But Republicans allegedly believe in private charity, and they don't all give to private charity. Um, so, look, am I bashing all giving? Or all? No, of course not. Um, but I would say, you know, there's a priority to the local church um, because you're there. Yes. You know, I would say as churches become bigger, then it's all the more reason that you want to take a look at the financial statements and make sure everything's fine. I have friends who go to really big churches. I have friends who are the leaders of really big churches. I'm not against them at all, not one bit. But there are temptations to every model, and the temptation, we saw it with Harvest Bible Chapel, the temptation is for the big guys, it's um, a little bit of a lack of financial transparency. So, And I think this is the biggest um, temptation here is for the state. Um, you know, because that's what the Judean elites were. Even though it was the temple, the temple was controlled by the Herodian dynasty. The, the temple was part of the state. So I think the biggest abuser of this throughout history has always been the government, um, who practiced Judas economics. They talk redistribution downward, but they practice redistribution upward. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is look at the national debt, which is sort of given a wink and a nod. No one's really paying attention to it. It balloons out of out of proportion here. I mean, the country's deeper in debt than it's ever been, and we're just moving forward. Yeah, right. So, if, and and you, you, I mean, if you look at the debt, who makes money? A lot of people make money off the debt. Sure. Right, because the debt is bought by the central bank. Now, some of this is complex, and some of it is technical. But I mean, the huge money center banks in New York are essentially the financiers of that debt uh, through the central bank. So they're they're living off of that, um, and it's the central bank that basically ladles that out. Um, so you know, we have we have different models of the economy, and I, you know, one of the interesting things about the geography of this, I think I mentioned Bethany, literally house of the people, but Ani has connotations of the poor, you know, so poor house. Yes. That's what um, uh, Eusebius, the church historian, refers to it that way, uh, um, as the house of the poor or the poor house. That's where Jesus ascends from. So that's kind of interesting, right? Jesus, he's killed in Jerusalem. 
Um, his disciples are in Jerusalem. He goes to the upper room and he says, tell them to meet me in Galilee. So they meet in Galilee after the resurrection. So let's be Easter here, right? So they go up and there's the story where they're fishing and they, and they grill some fish and then they recognize Jesus. So yes. they meet and Jesus, Jesus tells them, tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. So the big meetings in Galilee, then he ascends from Bethany. He, his big meeting, his final like big meeting with the disciples uh, feed my feed my sheep, feed my sheep, fight, feed my sheep, um, is in Galilee at one edge, um, and then his ascent is from Bethany, not Jerusalem. Murdered in the capital, ascending to heaven from the poorhouse. I don't think that these are accidental. I don't think it's just, ah, God like threw the dice and said, where should Jesus ascend from? I think that once you have ears to hear, Jesus is saying something theological, but also saying something social that we ought to be aware of. That's fabulous. Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry's the editor of Town Hall Finance. Jerry, we need to take a, a break. Uh, and, and after the break, I want to come back because we, yesterday in an email exchange, you talked about something that happened at Notre Dame last week about rescuing the body of Christ. That's a fascinating story as well. So to, to wrap up here, what should we be mindful of? I mean, I know that this is this conversation is a thread that you're writing a book about and one of the chapters within the book. But as you talk about the Judas economy, what is it, you know, at, at, for this moment that we should be thinking about? Uh, for, for in general, Jesus cares about money because he cares about us. If he if he um, didn't care about money it would mean he didn't care about us. Uh, because it affects our lives a lot. That's the big picture. Yeah. Specifically, this interview about the Judas economy, when somebody uses ideological or religious or morally manipulative language about the poor, when someone engages in one-upsmanship language about the poor, put them in your suspect category. Hmm. Don't put them in your, oh, he's so wonderful. He must really care about poor people. Yeah, I would. I mean, you don't know until you see what somebody does. But when somebody talks that way, and then they say, "Put it in the purse," and they control the purse, yeah. put them. Don't don't put them in the probably really wonderful category. Put them in the keep an eye on this one. Category. That's really good, really good. Jerry Boyer's with us. He's going to stick around as well to talk about the body of Christ rescued out of Notre Dame. It's a really odd story about the incompetence of mainstream media and what they don't know, what it is to be a Christian in this world. Hey, this week, TBN, the largest Christian television network in the world, launches its first daily TV show made particularly for women. Better Together is what it's called, and it features different faces and different voices each day. You'll see Christine Kane, Laurie Crouch, Victoria Osteen, Carrie Job, Lisa Harper, and others, all in conversation about things that matter to women. I'm not talking makeup tutorials or room renos. You're going to see and hear women talking about heart issues, friendship, identity, social media, intimacy with God, kids, family, how to hear God's voice. It'll be women talking together about the things you want to talk about, too. So don't miss it. TBN's Better Together, coming up April 22nd. Hi, this is Tud Shilka. Join me and head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, Steelers players Vance McDonald and Stefan Tewitt, and pastors Brian Loritz and Ed Glover for Man Up Pittsburgh on Saturday, June 8th at Victory Family Church in Cranberry. Man Up is a day for all men to work on becoming the best godly leaders they can be. There'll be free food, fellowship, worship, powerful messages, and dynamic breakout sessions. From high schoolers to grandfathers, this is for you. Register today at manuppittsburgh.org. Hosted by Urban Impact and brought to you locally. Locally by Chick-fil-A of Pittsburgh. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. 
At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Over the past decade, hundreds of broadcast ministries have multiplied their listenership through a partnership with OnePlace.com, the largest online Christian broadcast platform. Here's Greg Laurie. By partnering with OnePlace, we've been able to expand our online ministry in a way that complements our current web strategy for maximized outreach and impact. Steve Arterburn. Through our partnership with OnePlace, we've been able to grow our online ministry in ways that Well, we just never would have been able to do it otherwise. John MacArthur. This is a partnership we enjoy and for which we thank the Lord. Colin Smith. Our partnership with OnePlace.com has multiplied our ministry effectiveness. We're reaching new listeners every day. And Dr. David Jeremiah. Many of the new listeners we reach here each day through OnePlace are now faithful ministry supporters. Introduce your message to the largest online Christian audience on the web. Visit us today at OnePlaceRadio.com to learn how. That's OnePlaceRadio.com. Jerry Boy is with us. He's the editor of Town Hall Finance. Uh, Jerry, tell us this story about the New York Times reporter who thought he rescued the body of Christ, which he thought was a statue. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Um, There was a New York Times reporter who uh, talked to the chaplain, I think it was the fire chaplain in the Notre Dame fire, uh, the, the fire chaplain uh, who went in and, and um, rescued some um, important objects from the Notre Dame fire, and he said his priorities were to um, to rescue the crown of thorns and the body of Christ. Um, pretty much everybody listening to us right now knows what that means when he says body of Christ. Right. I mean, I remember when this happened, um, my son Charlie turned to me and said, I wonder what will be prioritized, the art or the Eucharist? Oh, that's good. Because there's a reserved sacrament, Um, and it looks like the chaplain, you know, prioritized the uh, Eucharist. So this New York Times reporter, and apparently whatever editors saw the piece afterwards, um, just took Body of Christ as referring to some kind of statue, I guess. There's a statue of the Body of Christ, and the New York Times reported that that he rescued a statue of Jesus uh, from Notre Dame. There aren't any statues of Jesus in Notre Dame, but, I mean, that's... It's pretty astonishing. It I mean, really this is. is supposed to be the the paper of record, right? These these behold your elites. Right. Uh, they don't know the body of Christ means Eucharist. It's shocking how ignorant they are about Christianity. It's so, another thing to not believe it, um, but it's another thing to be that ignorant of it. It's another thing to not even know the the basic language right. of it. How could you cover the world? How could you cover France? Because this is a this is a correspondent for France. Um, without having at least some idea that Roman Catholics referred to, um, actually not just Roman Catholics, it's complicated, right? But the body of Christ um, tends to be metaphorical more on the Protestant side, real presence on the Lutheran on Lutheran side, right. and actual literal body of, and blood of Jesus on the Catholic side. And Notre Dame is, what Opie knows, a Catholic church. So body of Christ is almost certainly going to 
uh, in that context refer to the Eucharist. Right. It's just astonishing how little these people know. So the New York Times, management to editors to reporter, are all sort of complicit in their t- total uh, denial of what it is to be a Christian in the world. I mean, what's shocking is, you know, there was a time, and I'm sure you know this, uh, you remember this, that many newspapers, and I'm sure the Times as well, used to have religion reporters. I mean, heck, we've got one here in the city of Pittsburgh, Peter Smith and his team just won the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, they did, and they deserved it. Um, and um, I wouldn't expect the Post-Gazette to make this mistake. I would be no. surprised if the Post-Gazette made this mistake. Um, the New York Times um, is more culturally insulated by far. Um, what strikes me about it is the juxtaposition between uh, the intellectual pride of these media elites and their actual level of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not a Muslim, but I know some think about Islam, right? I'm not a Jew, but I know something about Judaism. I'm not a Catholic, but I have some basic understanding of, you know, of what Catholicism is. You don't have to, they don't have to believe in Christianity. But if they don't know even the basics of it, then they've insulated themselves from almost 2 billion people. They've insulated themselves, uh, you know, the New York Times is an American newspaper, very much majority Christian population. They've insulated themselves from the majority of the people that they cover and who read them. They've insulated themselves from Western civilization. I mean, if you don't, if you know so little that you don't know the body of Christ means Eucharist, can you read Austin? No. Can you read Dickens? Can you listen to Bach and have any idea what's going on? If you know that little about Christianity, then you really know almost nothing about the American literary, excuse me, the, the Western literary, philosophical, architectural, and musical tradition. Really, these people live in a little thought bubble. It's a tiny fragment of the developed world and a tiny moment in history. And they think they're broad and we're narrow. It's amazing. That surely is. Hey, Jerry, thanks as always for being with us. We really appreciate your perspective. You come here and you teach us and you give us great insight. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Always a pleasure to be with you. God bless. Thank you. You as well. Jerry Boyer, the editor of Town Hall Finance. We've been talking about uh, Judas, the economy of Judas, and of course, uh, the New York Times just talked about that, about the ignorance of mainstream media as they look at established Christianity. This October to PPG Paints Arena. Don't miss Mercy Me. Word FM welcomes Mercy Me October 4th with special guest Crowder. Tickets on sale April 29th at 10 a.m. Visit the Arena Box Office at ppgpaintsarena.com or ticketmaster.com. Mercy Me with special guest Crowder on sale April 29th. Welcomed by Word FM. The kids across the hall could hear him snoring. Listen to Steve and Carrie's story about Z-Quiet. I can't control it. I would try not to. I would try sleeping in different positions. I'd say, well, let me try wadding the pillow up and putting it behind my head this way, or I'm going to make sure I sleep on my stomach or sleep on my side. And I considered the surgery as well uh, because I figured there's no way some product on TV was going to fix a problem that I had. And so we buy it. It shows up. I put it in. Didn't have any trouble falling asleep. And remember waking up in the same bed and not having been nudged in the middle of the night. Yeah, you forgot it when we went to the cabin. That was not fun. No. (laughs) Well, the only time he's forgotten to take it on an out-of-town trip, and it was like stepping back into time. (laughs) Z-Quiet works for both men and women. Go to GetZQuiet.com and enter promo code SLEEP to save 20%. That's GetZQuiet.com, promo code SLEEP. 
to save 20%. That's GetZQuiet.com. Promo code SLEEP. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the 2019 Shaft Lectures, May 1st at 4.30 and 7.30 p.m. This year, featuring Dr. James K.A. Smith, Professor of Philosophy at Calvin College, an award-winning author and regular contributor to the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Christianity Today. Dr. Smith will address discerning the spirits of formation on the centrality and risk of Christian practices. Free and open to the public. Get details at pds.edu. Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tun Chilkin for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. Now during truck month, current GM lessees can save $11,490 off the MSRP on select 2018 Silverado pickups or take advantage of 0% APR financing for up to 72 months. Must qualify. You can buy with confidence knowing that the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years. Check them out at Calusi.com. Chevrolet. Find new roads. What if your next career could help you change lives? It can. As a thriving financial representative, this is more than a sales career. It's an opportunity to help people connect their faith and finances for good. Positions are available in the Pittsburgh area. Thrivent provides ongoing coaching and training and a benefits package you'd expect from a Fortune 500 financial services organization. For more information, please call Todd Beasley at 717-813-7184. You go on Twitter much? Uh, you know, I, I like Twitter. I think it's an interesting platform. Um, it's derided as being brutal, which it often can be. But I like it because there are some really, really uh, intensely big brains, oftentimes very funny, always passionate, that post and is a back and forth. So you can be part of a conversation if you choose to insert yourself into that. Or you can just sit back and read the conversation. Anyway, with Twitter, of course, there's, you know, there's things that are known, like there's black Twitter, which is African-Americans finding each other on the Twitter feed and going back and forth, and they have a conversation, right? There's also, of course, Christian Twitter, which, and there's, uh, as with all Christians, there is progressive Christians, there's mainstream Christianity, there is, you know, all the, all the different manners of denominations you can find on your Twitter feed and narrow it down to whatever lane you want to be in, or not. Well, one of the people on Twitter is a, a woman, and you may know this name, her name is Rachel Held Evans. She is a, a, what would be described as a progressive Christian. Um, mainstream Christians, she sort of nudges them in different directions. However, you should know that Rachel Held Evans, she is a believer in the power of Jesus Christ in her life. And shockingly so, she is in a medically induced coma because of an infection in her brain that came upon her last week. So it's interesting to see people of different Christian faiths, whether it's Episcopalian, Anglican, some form of Presbyterianism, Catholic, and especially for women who follow Rachel Held Evans and agree with her or not, all coming together as Rachel Held Evans is in deep trouble medically. That's the power of social media to lift people up who are in trouble to pray for her. Rachel Held Evans. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. 
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Authorities in Sri Lanka have expanded the deployment of security forces in the aftermath of the Easter Sunday bombings of hotels and Christian churches. Each day brings news of fresh arrests, more security alerts and continuing search operations across the country. About 7,000 members of the security forces are now deployed as the government tries to address the sense of insecurity here amid fears of further attacks. One of those detained is Mohammed Yusuf Ibrahim, a wealthy and well-known spice trader. Officials say two of his sons were amongst the suicide bombers. That's adding to questions about how this group of affluent, well-educated young men became radicalised. DBC correspondent Jill MacGyvering reporting. Meanwhile, the death toll from the bombings has been revised downward to approximately 253. Officials did not immediately explain the discrepancy. On Wall Street, they're down by 135 points. This is SRN. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. If your family depends on your income and something happened to you, what would happen to them? You need life insurance, and SelectQuote can help you get it at a price you can afford. SelectQuote found Jacob, 40, who's in excellent health, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $19 a month. Not in perfect health? Don't worry. SelectQuote found Tanya, 40, who has type 2 diabetes, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for only $32 a month. We shop companies like Protective, Prudential, American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-881-4747. That's 1-800-881-4747. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-881-4747. Select quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issue and company, and other factors. Not available in all states. This is the Entertainment Answer. Avengers Endgame is finally here. Ant-Man and Hawkeye weren't around for Infinity War. Here, Jeremy Renner and Paul Rudd explain why. We went on a ping-pong tour across Europe. That's right. We were visiting... France. Yeah, we had swim lessons together. Right? It was a really great time. It was a fun summer. And then we got back and found out everything that had happened. And thankfully, uh, we avoided it. That's right. We did well. Avengers Endgame, rated PG-13. For this entertainment answer, I'm Matt Mungle. Guess what? Right now is the perfect time to tackle those home projects you've been putting off. So come summertime, you can just sit back and relax. HomeAdvisor can help get you started. HomeAdvisor matches you to the right pro for the job in seconds. You can read reviews and even book appointments online. HomeAdvisor can help with any home project, big or small, painting, plumbing, even remodeling. Find a great pro now before the busy season hits. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Historically, the church has always moved on its knees. 
Hi, I'm Pastor Ed Glover, founder and president of Urban Impact Foundation, and I want to invite you to the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference Thursday and Friday, May 2nd and 3rd at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Join Pastor John Guest and pastors and teachers from RPTS, Geneva College, Biblical Counseling Institute, Impact Christian Church, and more. That's the Pittsburgh Prayer Conference, May 2nd and 3rd. Tickets and details at wordfm.com slash prayer. For tonight, we'll see rain at times, and there can be a thunderstorm as well. Low will be 57. Tomorrow, it'll be breezy, and it'll be turning cooler. We'll see some more rain at times. High will be 62 early. The temperatures will fall into the mid-50s. Clearing tomorrow night, windy and colder with a low of 37. Windy and chilly for Saturday. We'll have clouds limiting sun with a high 57. Cloudy with a couple of showers Sunday. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, greetings. Good afternoon to you. Kathy is off today. She will return uh, tomorrow, Friday. Short. That's a short week. That's, that's a good week. Kath's showing up for Friday, and then it's the weekend. <laughs> nice work if you can get it there, Mrs. Emmons. What the heck? Hey, um... There was a time in my life where I watched Jeopardy every single night. I mean, remember during the reign of Ken Jennings? I mean, holy smokes. Ken Jennings won $2.5 million uh, back in, uh, what was it, uh, the early 2000s, I think, maybe 2002 or 2003. Anyway, there's a new guy on on, uh, Jeopardy. This guy named James Holzhauer. And they're saying that this guy has broken Jeopardy which means he has just eviscerated it. This guy, James Holzhauer, uh, he is a, by profession, which is a whole other story, he is a professional sports gambler. This guy makes his living betting on baseball, football, basketball, hockey, you name it. Well, the uh, the Times did an, um, a, a Q&A with him. And I've yet to see this guy play because he is still, as of yesterday, in 15 games of Jeopardy, he's won, I think, uh, what did they say, $1.1 million. Ken Jennings won his $2.5 million in 74 consecutive wins. So this guy, James Holzhauer, is well ahead of the of that mark that Ken Jennings set, 74 games versus 15 games. So going through this, this uh, interview... He describes his strategy. And, you know, when you watch Jeopardy, everyone's very polite, and they play along. They start at the top of the board, and they'll do, you know, the easy money questions and then work their way down. Well, this guy, James Holzhauer, he goes right away to the big money questions. Boom, 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 and hits it across. And all of a sudden, he's got a little kitty lined up, $5,000, $6,000, $8,000, before anybody is even off the starting block. So he was talking about psychologically what that looks like about being very aggressive. And he said, well, you know, because he's made his living as a sports better, he's used to winning and losing large sums of money, like $60,000 at a hit. So he said, I'm okay with that. Psychologically, I'm kind of wired for that, where the common person, someone like you and I, you know, $60,000, holy smokes, that's a, a huge sum of money. To see that go away, you would be less inclined to do that. Right, you would just. Oh, I'm not going to bet that kind of money. So he's got this wild sort of reckless gambler uh, streak about him, 
It's his full-time job. Here's the big thing that I took away from this. That people said, um, they said, where do you go to school? He said, I went to Illinois. Most people think that I went to Princeton or something, but I was never a diligent student. Here's my strategy, he says. I have a strategy of reading children's books to gain knowledge. I found that in an adult reference book, if it's not a subject I'm interested in, I just can't get into it. He says, I was thinking, what is the place in the library that I can go to to get books tailored to make things interesting for uninterested readers? Boom. The children's section. Getting onto Jeopardy was a pet project my whole life, so it was something that I was willing to work really hard on. Isn't that amazing? That's so smart to think he's going to shortcut this and go to children's books for knowledge. I mean, I, I would never in a million years think outside the box like that. I mean, that really says a lot about this guy and his worldview and his strategy of why he's so successful. He um, He's still playing. So uh, I would I would venture to guess if I can get home tonight at 7 o'clock, I think it airs at 7 o'clock on, on Channel 11, right, NBC. I want to see this. I really do. I want to see this guy gutsy sort of wild thing that he's got going on there and just totally i love people who are revolutionary in their in their process um i I can't imagine that somebody like like i said like you and i would have the the guts the chutzpah the wherewithal to go ahead and and push that envelope as far as he has so who knows where this is going to go i mean heck if ken jennings did 74 games before he lost and he was playing a traditional game of jeopardy Who's going to come on to sort of unseat James Holzhauer as the Jeopardy champion? I would imagine that would be a very rare individual. So it looks to be like a must-see TV Jeopardy this evening, at least for me. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Uh, oh, this guy. Holy smokes. I-, I love to hear people's stories. Don't you love to hear people's stories of train wrecks and then redemption? This, our next guest, uh, Stu Fonhorf. Mike, how do you pronounce that? Look at that name, because I'm sure I'll screw that up. Anyway, <laughs> that's a tough one. Yeah, uh, if I had, to I got his first name, Fullendorf. Stu's going to be with us. I'm just going to call. Him Stu. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave it at that. It's a it's a wild story, and I, I think you'd be encouraged to stick around to hear this. Wall Street to the Well. Stick around for that, okay? It's the ride home with John and Kathy. Sands Kath on a very short week for her. Be right back in a few minutes. This is Ward FM. Oh, and WPIT Radio. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. One day, all of the pains and the aches and the deformities and the deficiencies that we sense in our earth bodies are going to all be taken away when we get our heavenly bodies. And we're going to know the joy of full capacity with the Lord. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Signs, next time on Turning Point. This evening at 730 on 101.5 WORD. It's Better Together, the exciting daily half-hour talk show by women and for women in all seasons of life. Each day, host Lori Crouch welcomes popular women in ministry, music, entertainment, and more. It's good friends like Christine Kane, Carrie Job, Victoria Osteen, Lisa Harper, Dee Dee Freeman, Holly Wagner, and many more. 
So grab a cup of coffee, settle back in your favorite easy chair, and join Lori and friends as they sit down for fun, faith, and some powerful conversations about relevant issues all women talk about. Relationships, addiction, identity, no topic is off limits. Better Together is real friends getting together for real conversations. It's more than just a TV show. It's your daily destination for love, friendship, encouragement, and community. It's Better Together. Weekdays, 1.30 Eastern, 10.30 Pacific. Only on TBN. Text TOGETHER to 316-316 to join in. That's TOGETHER to 316-316. And we'll see you real soon. Join Pittsburgh Theological Seminary for the 2019 Shaft Lectures, May 1st at 4.30 and 7.30 p.m. This year, featuring Dr. James K.A. Smith, Professor of Philosophy at Calvin College, an award-winning author and regular contributor to the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Christianity Today. Dr. Smith will address discerning the spirits of formation on the centrality and risk of Christian practices. Free and open to the public. Get details at pts.edu. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, weather tech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. You're the person who keeps thinking, there's no way I could possibly bring a business to life. Maybe next year, maybe when I make $100,000, I can leave that job. I'm Lorreen Kyle, founder and visionary of the Launch Collective Expo. You can create and start working towards a vision and dream that you've always wanted. Join me and Pinpoint Publishing on April 30th at Nova Place. When collective minds gather, the impossible becomes possible. Tickets are on sale now at Launch Collective. I don't know about you, but I love to hear people's stories, right? Especially uh, as they come to Christ, because who among us, unless there are some people who are born into the church, stay on a path and grew up in the church and seemingly all is right and well. I, I think that's probably a narrative for maybe a, a tiny percentage of people. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'm being generous there. Maybe it's a larger percentage. It's not my story. Certainly it's not our next guest story. And my guess is, you know, in your circle, a lot of people have burnt bridges and train wrecked and blown through fortunes and divorces and uh, fortune, all that. It's just the way that life is. But thank God that there is a God in this world who loves us with grace and forgiveness, because what would the world be like without Jesus Christ? Stu Fullendorf is with us. He's got a story to tell. Stu, uh, Stu worked in corporate business for 20 years before earning his MDiv from Denver, Denver Seminary. He lives in the Colorado foothills with his wife, Trish, serves as the senior pastor of Redemption Hills Church in Littleton, Colorado. His brand new work is called Wall Street to the Well. Hey, Stu, welcome to the show. How you doing? Happy to be here. Yes, you. Hey, thanks. Listen, uh, I'm reading this work. It's it's one of these things. <laughs> First chapter, Stu, you get sued by the SC, uh, Securities Exchange Commission. You get a phone call from Chuck Colson. Then all of a sudden, the knife fight breaks out between your parents. I mean, there's a lot going on here. There, There is. And, you know, the intent of the book was to really show how, in, in my own life, how God's grace and mercy, just exactly as you said, 
can can shine through all of that and ultimately result in redemption. But uh, it's a it's a story worth worth telling because of I go from you know living in a fairly poor family all the way to having you know a ten figure um, net worth. Uh, arguing against God, and then through all of that, God redeems. Amen to that. Okay, so tell, start us out then. So the Securities Exchange Commission, you get a phone call. There you are, you know, you, you made a big fat chunk of money, and then some, you know, politicizing of things. You lost that job, so you started um, a, a distribution of a winery, but um, some tech involvement. But one day you get a phone call, and you, they, they said, hey, man, you're done. Your career is basically over here. Oh, and by the way, you're going to get sued by the Securities Exchange Commission. That had to rock your world. It did. It was actually on the roadshow of an initial public offering of that, of that very company, a company called Isilon Systems that ended up becoming a big, high-flying tech company bought by EMC and then merged with Dell. And, and after taking that company through an IPO, it was actually on that roadshow that I was saved. And so it's actually always amazing to me how God links things that can often result in the in your world being shaken. Uh, Hebrews twelve twenty five says He will shake that which is shakable to leave the unshakable to remain. And at the same time, going through the epitome of worldly success. Yeah. And so and so I, on that roadshow when I was saved after that roadshow and after being being saved, I lost my job about a year later. My heart changed. Um, I was starting to think about other things in ministry after a long long haul. And uh, took all my stock options after being fired from that job, bought a wine distributorship, and then about three, two years after buying that wine distributorship, found out I was going to be sued by the SEC for accounting violations. It could have been criminal at the time. It ended up being civil. And the day that I found out about that, um, I was working in my wine distributorship. I went back to my uh, townhome that was owned by the business, and I got a call by Chuck, from Chuck Colson. What the heck? Chuck Colson. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. We've talked to Chuck here a couple of times, and it's one of the few times, you know, in all the years we've been doing the show where I got totally geeked out. I couldn't believe, hey, it's Chuck Colson on the line. So, yeah. you know, at a low point, there goes Chuck Colson into your life. Yes, that's exactly right. So, that's so cool. I had, it, 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 I had, it was the day that, um, the day that I was saved on the IPO Roadshow in London, a week later, I was worth over $10 million on paper from, from the initial public offering. Uh, again, cashed out the stock options, bought a wine distributorship in, in 2007 and 2008, the recession hit, and then I got sued. And just to give you a little sense of the story, I, I got a call. If you talk about some of the connections to the old Watergate gang, uh, my my lawyer was a, a, a man named Peter Ehrlichman, who was the son oh. of John Ehrlichman, yeah. wow. uh, who was part, part of uh, uh, Nixon's inner circle. And another man named Kurt Heinlein, but Peter was the lead counsel and he called me and said, you are going to have bad news. You're going to get sued by the SEC uh, for securities fraud, accounting rules, and while you're the CFO of Isilon. And um, it's going to be on the front page of the Seattle Times business section tomorrow. Ouch, ouch. And, yes. And so, so, you know, they said, we're going to come see you. And I said, don't, don't come see me, guys. Um, and I was drinking more and more at the time. I can tell that story as well. Yeah. All I could think about was, man, I'm, this is terrible. My life's coming to an end, so I was going to go back to the town home and drink. I got back to the town home, told my business partner, and I got a call on the phone. And I, I normally would not have picked up the call. I thought it might be the media from Seattle. But I, for some reason, God led me to pick up the call. And, and sure enough, it was Chuck Colson. He said, is this Stu? And I said, yes. And he said, Stu, this is Chuck Colson. Um, a friend of mine had called him. who knew that I was going, going to be going through this. And my first reaction to him was, sure, sure, it is. Pull this leg, it'll play Jingle Bell. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a true story. And, and, I, and he laughed just like you're laughing on the other <laughs> line. <laughs> and that's then he good. said, no, no, Stu, this is Chuck. And then I recognized that very distinctive voice. Yeah. And he talked, to me, he talked me off the edge for about 20 or 25 minutes. And oh. I, he, said, he said, I understand you're getting sued by the SEC. And I said, yes, I am, Chuck, I didn't, and I didn't do it. And he said, well, um, I did. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, his graciousness and mercy came through. And, and you know, I, can't, I won't relay the whole 25-minute conversation, but, but he basically told me, I think you're going to find that God is going to be at work in the suffering, that he's going to mold you through the heat, that he, he's going to shake your world like he did mine, and he will find, and all of this will be worked together for his purpose and, and for your good, and you're going to find out that down the road, this is the best thing that ever happened to you. Fabulous. Stu Fullendorf is with us. His brand new work is called Wall Street to the Well. So, Stu, here's one of the things that fascinates me about you, that, um, you know, you, you went into business, and like you said a little early on, you, you made $10 million on paper for initial stock offering. So, you know, you were basically set. Um, you grew up in some sort of thin thread of Jehovah's Witness with your grampy and your gram. I mean, I love that, you know, you, you told the story where you, you know, you go, you'd go to an event and there'd be the flag and they would turn their back on the flag as Jehovah's Witnesses right. are wont to do. And, and the really interesting thing is that something happened to you in London, right? Where you had this, this first introduction to Jesus Christ. But, while all this was going on in your life and while you were being drawn closer to Jesus, closer to Jesus, you were, and you talk about this, I mean, I'm not giving anything away here in the book, you were a full-blown alcoholic. Even though you were in love with Jesus, you were still out of your mind and you were drinking every day almost. That's, well, that's exactly right. I, I was saved at the age of 43, and I was an arguing atheist in my 30s. I wasn't ambivalent about it. I was reading Christopher Hitchens and Russell Bertrand and Sam Harris, and and uh, my wife became a Christian um, in 1997 at the age of 34, 35, and so we went through a, a fairly long period because I was saved in 2006 of being unequally yoked, and so uh, my heart started to soften. In 2003, she asked me to go to church. I did, and from that point forward, my I started to be God started to woo me, but I was no I was no Christian. But during this whole time period, I was drinking more and more. I was dissatisfied. I was feeling, filling that empty hole in my heart, as Blaise Pascal says, with all the things of the world, money, material, cars, houses, career, the, the identity of my kids. And nothing was satisfying me, and I was turning more and more to the bottle to, to, um, to take the edge off and to, and to be the thing that filled that hole in my heart. And so by the time I was saved in 2006... I was absolutely a full-blown alcoholic, and, and then felt guilt and shame, actually, along with the joy of being saved. Felt um, guilt and shame because I didn't understand God's grace and mercy. And after two or three years of drinking more and more to the point of being a dysfunctional alcoholic, ended up um, going to rehab, and, and through all of that, God God redeemed, and now it's one of my great loves in ministry, is, you know, is ministering to people who, not only addiction, but addiction is just a sign of all of all emptiness in the heart, and, right. and so that's 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 my big that's my big theology around that. I mean, I love that, I mean, Stu, because what what happens? I think a lot of people, especially like you, people who come to Christ, you know, middle age or later on in life, when they when they say, "Yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior," they expect, or people expect, you know, especially from a secular perspective, that everything will be lifted, that you will be made brand new in Christ, and all those sins will be washed away, and all those urges, whether it's alcohol, sex, drugs, you name it. All that's going to float away, but that is not the case. Well, I remember going to some testimonies 
of people who would kind of say that uh, after I was a Christian, and, and they would give their testimony, and then they'd kind of float, float off the stage. And I remember looking at my wife with a frown on my face and thinking to myself, that's not, that's not how it's going for me. Yeah. <laughs> how, it was going, how it was going for me is, is again, I was, being, I was being shaken, and I had to, my worldviews had to change through God's, God's glory and grace. My politics had to change. My, my, the, the, my identity had to change. And so for me, after about three years of really difficult but still joyful but difficult um, suffering, um, uh, God taking things, and I know God's sovereign hand was in all of that. Things started to get better after a period of time, but it was a it was a it was a tough tough time period, and yet I I felt the joy of the Lord. They started to get better, but was there a moment? I mean, you know, you, like like you said, you you hear people's testimonies and you think, oh, that's for me, but I, that's not me. But was there a moment where you know? You made a decision after you accepted Christ, and then you went to divinity school of all things. Were you sober then, or were you, you know, just coming out of rehab? No, I was sober then, and I I was actually sober when the SEC trial happened. So it was it was a it was a uh, it was a true joy because after going through rehab in 2010, so nine years ago, I had about six to eight months of sobriety before the SEC case hit. I had also gotten a DUI and had to work through all those issues. In fact, I had fought it and finally went back to the lawyer and said, quit fighting this, I did it. And so um, all, all of those kind of lessons that I, that I learned from people like Chuck Colson about manning up and taking responsibility. So by the time the SEC case hit, I was sober. I had dropped 100 pounds. Um, God was really working in my life. I decided I wanted to go back to divinity school. And actually the SEC trial, I talk about this in the book, is, is a case of, um, of, of difficulty for my wife, but true, true, a true sense of purpose and joy in my life as I was kind of figuring out, hey, God's hand is in this as well. Nice. After that, after that, it was a year later, I went to divinity school and spent four years getting my MDiv and then have been sober ever since. But, but all of that worked together for, God, for God's purpose and my, and my good. Excellent. Well, congratulations on those four, that sobriety, because without that, nothing's going to happen at all. So, so what about this? When you go to seminary and there you are in your 40s, you're surrounded, I'm sure, by a lot of you know, fresh-faced kids. Was that difficult for you to, to be part of that mix? Well, I had been been humbled so much. Again, one of the the beautiful things about the suffering is this, I had lost basically lost my money, lost my business, and had my name dispersed, um, and had lost about everything that I was I was identifying myself with. And so, by the time I went to seminary, I loved being around the young guys uh, and girls. I there were some older men, but I was by you know by far one of the older oldest people. I went back to seminary at forty eight. And uh, I just enjoyed every moment of it. Sometimes people talk about seminaries being cemetery spiritually, but for me it was truly one of the sweetest um, time periods of my life. And so I loved it. And, then, and as time has gone on, I actually hired somebody I went to school with um, when I went, went to work at a bigger church. And then when I became senior pastor, I hired him as well. And some of the younger people that I was around in seminary, I'm now ministering with them and working with them. Wow, fabulous. Stu Fullendorf is with us, Wall Street to the Well. So talk about your kids, because they knew you, right, as dad one way, and now they see you. I mean, they're showing up at your church. They see you in, you know, in the pulpit on Sunday morning. That had to be a strange you know, whiplash for them. It was. Uh, there's a, uh, another interesting story. I was baptized in 2008, and uh, it was a big church in Seattle and had decided to get baptized. So they knew that my heart was changing, but I was still, you know, being broken and still going through dif- difficulties. 
and there, there's a story that I tell about um, I woke up about three o'clock in the morning before my baptism day um, and had a, a vivid dream and told my wife that I dreamed that I was at my funeral and my business partner was giving the the uh, uh, the eulogy and that there was a single bagpipe player um, who came in and at this church it was a rock and roll church after I was baptized and everybody else at the end of the service a single bagpipe player came in and walked down the aisle this is a true story and I looked over at my wife and we both had tears going down our face and that and after after the story my my daughter who's getting her master's degree in seminary as well and my son who's just turned 29 my daughter looked and said, of course, of course, Dad, you just died to your old self, and that was a sign that wow. the dream was a sign of the funeral. So they, they had a sense very quickly after my salvation that, that things were happening with me. And now, like on Easter Sunday, I had nine family members. Many of them were skeptical. Ten years ago, I had nine family members in the front row as I was preaching the, the gospel on Easter Sunday, and it was just a huge joy. But, but yeah, we had to go through a lot of um, counseling, particularly with my daughter, because of some of the drunken episodes and the change. And um, we've worked through many of those things, though we still are, continue to work through it. And my son has been very understanding. And, and you know, my, God, God has worked and really reconciled our family um, like, like nothing you, you would even believe. Oh, I love that so much. Okay, so, so th- there you are. Uh, and this is interesting to me, that a lot of people would go to an AA meeting or an NA meeting in the basement of the church, but those same people who are getting sober and are experiencing some sort of spiritual renewal in those AA meetings would never walk up the steps and go into the sanctuary because the established church, for whatever reason to a lot of people, seems awkward or odd or they don't belong there or they're, you know, they're supposed to put, you know, put the, in air quotes, my higher power thing doesn't reconcile with the truth of Jesus Christ in this world. So that's become something that's important to you, yeah? Yeah, that that's for sure. One of the great joys of our church is that I've been extremely open about my struggles with, with sin and with addictions. Um, our church with Redemption Hills in, Seattle, in um, Littleton is growing like a weed. Uh, we have many, many people now that are coming out of recovery or have had struggles that are very open with me and others in our congregation because their pastor is open yeah. in the pulpit. And so, so I do. I, I actually love AA. I, I, I go to many of those and, and try to convey to people, but while I'm working on my own recovery, who the who the higher power is. But but I spend a lot of time. We've put together three celebrate recoveries, which is really AA based. Yeah. Where we could talk openly about who Jesus Christ is and refer to all biblical scripture, but I don't dis AA or NA any of those at all because I believe deeply that those are spirit-led um, recovery programs. Well, I tell you what, uh, reading Wall Street to the Well, I love it because you're you're one of these guys who no matter what you do, you're <laughs> you're doing it 150 percent. So you are in, man. You know whether it's uh, sports or piano playing or business or you name it, uh, your your addiction and then finding Christ, uh, it's balls to the walls. You are right there. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to think that the Apostle Paul was something like that, and so were the disciples. Remember they. All of them were martyred. Um, it's one of the great testimonies of the truth of the resurrection is that these cowardly dis- disciples who were kind of half in and half out after the resurrection, you know, Peter's crucified upside down and they're all martyred except for John who gets boiled alive and then exiled. They, I think they were all in too. And so I would hope that all of us who are Christians could have the same attitude as those boys. Amen to that. Hey, Stu, thanks a lot. I really enjoyed the conversation. Really appreciate you being with us. Yeah, enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Wall Street to the Well, Stu Fullendorf. It's a story of transformation from fortune to faith. 
We'll take a break. Come back. Uh, stick around. We got a chunk ahead. Uh, we got a big announcement actually in just a few minutes. You don't want to miss this if you're a fan of uh, the Crowder and Mercy Me. October to PPG Paints Arena. Don't miss Mercy Me. Word FM welcomes Mercy Me October 4th with special guest Crowder. Tickets on sale April 29th at 10 a.m. Visit the arena box office at ppgpaintsarena.com or ticketmaster.com. Mercy Me with special guest Crowder on sale April 29th. Welcomed by Word FM. It's where the Sahara meets the Nile and the Mediterranean Sea. Only here exist the perfect conditions for growing the finest cotton in the world. I'm John Hall. Nowhere else can you find cotton so luxuriously soft and light, yet super strong and able to hold deep, vibrant colors, wash after wash. It's this very cotton Mike Lindell has used to create my pillows, Giza Dreams bed sheets. Try them once, and you'll never want to sleep on anything else again. And right now, get a special 30% off my pillow dream sheets with free shipping. Use promo code WORD when you call 800-391-0954 or place your order at MyPillow.com. 60-day money-back guarantee if you're not completely satisfied. Call 800-391-0954 or visit MyPillow.com and be sure to use promo code WORD for 30% off plus free shipping. Sweet dreams from my pillow. Today's world craves leaders. Leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at ramachristianschool.org. Hi, this is Carrie. I'm so excited for May 5th. Why? Because it's Compassion Sunday. My family sponsored a child a couple of years ago on Compassion Sunday at our church, and it's been the best thing we have ever experienced. And I'm excited because I want you to have that same experience. Would you join us? Just go to Compassion.com slash Sunday to find a church near you that's hosting Compassion Sunday. That's Compassion.com slash Sunday. Hi, this is Todd Shulkin. Join me and head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, Steelers players Vance McDonald and Stefan Tewitt, and pastors Brian Loritz and Ed Glover for Man Up Pittsburgh on Saturday, June 8th at Victory Family Church in Cranberry. Man Up is a day for all men to work on becoming the best godly leaders they can be. There will be free food, fellowship, worship, powerful messages, and dynamic breakout sessions from high schoolers to grandfathers this is for you register today at manupittsburgh.org hosted by urban impact and brought to you locally by chick-fil-a of pittsburgh for tonight we'll see rain at times and there can be a thunderstorm as well low will be 57 tomorrow it'll be breezy and it'll be turning cooler we'll see some more rain at times high will be 62 early the temperatures will fall into the mid 50s Clearing tomorrow night, windy and colder with a low of 37. Windy and chilly for Saturday. We'll have clouds limiting sun with a high 57. Cloudy with a couple of showers Sunday. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait. Praise the open skies. Everything breathing, praise God. 
Friday night, I would say it's the show of the year. PPG Paint Arena, of course, downtown Pittsburgh. Uh, Mercy Me and David Crowder together on stage. Here to talk to us about this is Kevin Braun. Hey, Kevin, uh, producer of the show, this is big-time exciting news, yeah? We're thrilled, John. Uh, we, we couldn't be happier to be involved in this event, uh, especially with the movie that came out last fall. This is uh, definitely a powerful follow-up to that message. Nice. Okay, so tickets are not on sale yet, but you're here to tell us that pre-sale happens very soon, so people want to know about this so they can get ready to get in line. Yes, John. It's uh, Monday at 10 a.m. on Ticketmaster.com. Tickets go on sale. Very nice. Monday, Ticketmaster.com, 10 o'clock, Mercy Me, David Crowder, Friday evening, October 4th at the PPG Paint. This is cool. Geneva College is part of this. Of course, Word FM as well. Uh, Kevin, you know, you've got a, a track record a long time, many, many years of bringing top flight Christian acts into Pittsburgh. Kudos to that, man. Uh, you know, we dig what you're doing here for Western Pennsylvania. Well, thanks, John. Uh, you, you know, it's a, it's a team effort. I'm very thankful, and we're certainly blessed to have Word FM as our radio sponsor. Uh, it, it couldn't be done without you in Geneva College. Those great folks have come alongside of us, not only the, the faculty and leadership, but the students. And uh, this is a great team, so thank you. Pleasure is ours. Ticketmaster.com, 10 o'clock Monday morning. Get in line to get those tickets from Mercy Me, David Crowder, Friday night, October 4th. Very nice. Very nice. A little Mercy Me and some Crowder. I, I, Crowder speaks to me. I don't know if, if, you, if you like Crowder. That excites me uh, to see him, I think, just about more than any, any act that I'm going to go check out. Uh, maybe old school, uh, some Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, love to see him again. How about some Keith Green? I'd love to see some Keith Green, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, that old stuff. That, you know, that oh, I, it was so spare. And I know Kath. If Kath was here, she'd be rolling her eyes. But I did. I, I love that early Jesus Freak music. I mean, that was good stuff. Speaking of Jesus Freak, how about some DC Talk? What you think? Would DC Talk come back together for a reunion? There was talk about that for a while there. There was some DC Talk about that. But I don't know. Uh, Crowder and Mercy Me at the, the PPG Paint Arena. Yeah, tickets on sale Monday at uh, 10 o'clock. So, you know, you want to get those front row seats or whatever. That's cool to get in line for that. Anyway, uh, let's take a break. Um, Focus on the family. The guys from uh, Adventures and Odyssey, they're going to join us in a few minutes. Stick around for that, okay? Uh, Back in just a few minutes. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk. 
by your side. I can only imagine. 101.5 WORD. Where this weekend, the spotlight shines on the music of Amy Grant. Hi, Pittsburgh. This is Amy Grant. A career spanning over 40 years in contemporary Christian music. Amy Grant. She's great. She's great. She's really good. She's awesome. She's coming to Pittsburgh Saturday, May 4th to Amplify Church, Pittsburgh East Campus. And we're getting ready for the concert by playing Pittsburgh's favorite Amy Grant tunes. Great classic music. I just love it, yeah. Request what you want to hear at 877-349-1015. A moo-moo here and a moo-moo there. Here a moo, there a moo, everywhere a moo-moo. Hi there, it's me, Marsha from the Springhouse. Inviting you out to our Rio Working Dairy Farm in 84 PA on the Saturday before Memorial Day for our annual Farm Heritage Day. During this annual event, two giant tents will hold 20-plus old-time crafters, sharing their wares with you like sheep shearing, wool spinning, quilting, and leather punching. Our old-fashioned chore girls will be churning butter, kneading bread dough, and rolling pie dough, and they'll need lots of helpers, too. Take the tour of our modern milking facility where you get to try your hand at milking Sally the Tour Cow. The Springhouse Cooks will feature all kinds of fabulous eats inside, too. So come hungry for hot roast beef and gravy, real mashed potatoes, and so much more. Farm Heritage Day at the Springhouse on Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, 11 to 4. Let us share a little of our farm with you. Springhousemarket.com or give us a call at 724-228-3339. Hey, Pittsburgh, this is Tunchilkin for my good friends at Calusi Chevrolet. If you've been thinking about a new car, there's never been a better time to buy than right now. This month, only Calusi will give you $1,000 above Kelly Blue Book trade-in value on your current vehicle. Plus, you can save up to 20% off the MSRP on select Chevy Trax and Equinox. So remember, you can buy with confidence knowing the team at Calusi has been serving Pittsburgh for over 100 years. Check them out at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. I started out in public education, and I've been in education for almost 40 years now. Jubilee Christian School Principal April Eisman. Education is what I knew, and that was my passion. I loved it. But to see the need in society for even more than what we're doing in the churches. Because if your children are involved in the church, they're still never more involved than a few hours a week. I want to give students more grounding, give them more of a spiritual foundation. I want to make a difference. Jubilee Christian School, Mount Lebanon, K-6 through grade. Imagine, believe, achieve at jubileecs.org. Buying locally made products is a simple act that can have a tremendous impact on a local economy. Since our company was founded nearly 30 years ago, the original Mattress Factory has offered quality mattresses that are hand-built in our own factories and sold directly to you. Plus, we're not just locally made. We are also locally owned by our employees who live, work, and play in the same communities as you. So stop by an original Mattress Factory store or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the difference local makes for yourself. Right here in Pittsburgh. 8 p.m. Every evening, Monday through Friday here on Word FM. I mean, it's been going on for decades. Since your dad was a lad, probably. What's been playing? Adventures in Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, two guys from Adventures are joining us right now, Dave Arnold and uh, Phil Lawler. And uh, they're here to talk to us about this this thing that Adventures do in the Summer Family Getaway Contest with Focus on the Family. A grand prize includes a weekend trip to Colorado Springs, highly recommended, with Adventures in Odyssey VIP package. And uh, we would say to you, go online, wordfm.com. You'll see the little tab there at the top of the page. Heard on Word is another tab, and you click that. And it'll take you to contests, and then finally you'll see the link for the uh, contest for the uh, 
yeah, Adventures in Odyssey Summer Family Getaway. Anyway, uh, Dave and Phil, hey guys, uh, thanks for joining us on the air. How are you doing today? Good, John. Good, John. How are you? Thank you. Good, real good. Hey, yeah. So, listen. Um, as part of Adventures in Odyssey, you're also producing. The two of you guys are also authors. Um, Dave, talk to us about this. Uh, Young Wit, the Shroud of Secrecy. You and Phil have worked on. Tell us about this. Yeah. So this is the second book in a five book series that we're currently writing. First book released last fall. It was uh, Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure. This is the second book. Follows on. Each of the books sort of deal with uh, individual themes and an individual story, but there's a bigger story arc that carries through all five books, and uh, it, it, it gives us the formation of who this character was, who John Avery Whitaker was as a child, the things that kind of came to bear in his life to make him, to form him into the person he eventually became as an adult, and uh, as it influenced so many people through the, through the years. So it's been fun for us as uh, two of the folks that really started Odyssey back over 30 years ago wow. to kind of go back to the very beginning of Witt's childhood and put meat to who he is and how he became who he is and the adventures, the fun adventures he went through as a child. And and um, I do want to say, though, uh, up front that this isn't necessarily just a book that young kids will enjoy. They certainly will. But I think people of all ages will enjoy these books. We've heard them being described as epic. And I I love that word because that's exactly what we've tried to do is create really compelling, interesting, fun stories for people to read. And uh, we're finding that a lot of parents are enjoying to read it with their kids. And I hope that is the case with your listeners. Oh, I love this so much. Okay. So um, for years, I've been tracking along. You know, you look at um, the the New York Times books uh, reviews on Sunday, uh, you know, the Sunday edition. And uh, when you're looking at what, what I would call, you know, YA, the young adult section of books, I mean, holy smokes. Uh, what they're talking about as far as, you know, mainstream, you know, secular books for young adults, you want your kids to read, but to delve into that, I mean, uh, it, it's a it's a landscape that's fraught with all sorts of weird stuff. So, Phil, what's that like for you? You know, as you and Dave get together, and, and I love the idea of two guys, two people working as writing partners, developing a strategy to come together and tell a story. Can you, you know, sort of peel back the curtain and talk about the creative prospect yeah. between the two of you guys? Well, you, you mentioned uh, in the intro you talked about the you, you know the show being is uh, you've been being around since your dad was a lad. Yeah, <laughs> You're absolutely right. And Dave and I have been friends for you know thirty four, thirty five years. Wow, uh, right there from again, right there from the beginning when the when when the show was first started. I was one of the co creators. Dave came on just a little bit right after that and uh, worked on the the production side of things for years, and now is the executive producer of the show. And so I, I uh, you know, we we had thought about it for a long time. What, what who, if you're familiar with John Avery Whitaker at all? Who is this guy? Where did he come from? How did this happen? And and we thought, well, we're at a point now where we're sort of uniquely equipped, Dave and I, to be able to write these stories. I bet. And and talk about young wit, talk about who he was, and 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 where he came from. We had done shows, you know, with him on the air about. Uh, young wit about who he was when he was a kid, but we never really wrote down a lot of stuff in detail. Well, now we got the detail. I should also mention that these first two books, uh, we really wanted to chart uh, young wit, Johnny, in these first two books, his his path toward becoming a believer. He's not a believer in the first two books. It's not until the third book oh, that's cool. uh, that that starts happening. So we wanted to really give a realistic look at, at life when he was young 
Uh, that's the other thing. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we were true to the time and um, of his of his growing up and what uh, a lot of what happened there are the same similar things to what happened to my dad when he was growing up. So that was a lot of story fodder there too. So um, we just we just had him a blast with him. We really wanted, like Dave said, we just wanted to make him epic adventures, really readable and a corking good tale. And these are adventures that we wanted to go on. You know, these are that's the kind of thing. So we're hoping that the the readers are feeling the same way. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, it's very well done. I'm, I've got a copy of Young Wit, uh, the Shroud of Secrecy, in front of me right now. Really, it's cliffhanging stuff. So you know, if you're a dad or your mom and you go home and read to your kids at bedtime, this is really highly recommended. Hey, uh, Dave Arnold, Phil Lawler are with us from Adventures in Odyssey, guys. Talk to us about this. So in some ways, the culture is caught up with you. I mean, you know, Adventures in Odyssey, like you said, it's been going on for 30, 35 years. Now we live in this rich world of podcasting where it's like the new hip thing. But you guys have been doing this a long time, well before it was hip. So for decades of telling stories in that super rich vein, it's got to give you some sort of sense of accomplishment, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I think so. We were just talking about this this morning, weren't we, Dave? In the, in the, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, we have weekly writers meetings. I'm in California, they're in Colorado. I kind of call in and we uh, we FaceTime together and Skype together and whatnot. But uh, every every week, and uh, we were just talking about this very thing this morning about the idea that um, technology has made things so cyclical. When the further we go in technology, the more we kind of have to go back uh, from an artistic standpoint or start over again. And so you're right, podcasting, uh, podcast audio dramas are huge. Yeah, they're, they're they're really really big, and we really feel like yeah we've <laughs> For, for a change, you know, we, we, we in the church, the Christians, have now been leading the way for 35 years. Yay. <laughs> Good job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so then 30, 35 years into this, I mean, like everybody else, I mean, do, do people have this conversation with you? Well, uh, are you about to retire? Will you lay it down for a younger generation? Or is this something that you love so much you don't see any end in sight? Well, I don't think either one of us are going to go anywhere anytime soon. I, I mean, the Lord may have different plans for us, but but there is there is a real burden on my heart and my mind to make sure that if the time comes when you know God forbid forbid something happens to one of us or we feel like you know the Lord's calling us to go do something else, that there are people waiting in the wings that we are developing additional talent. Yes, and so we're being very intentional about that right now. And in fact, I I would just really ask for your listeners to pray for us in that regard because. Uh, I, I look at this as, uh, as a really important calling for us to make sure that um, as long as the Lord wants this thing to continue, that if, if I walk out the door, Phil walks out the door, there's not any sort of hiccup at all. It just continues seamlessly. And so um, so that's my prayer, is that the Lord will just continue to bring the right people. He's always done that through the years. Whenever one person walks out the door, another person's walking in. And the Lord has, has been very faithful to us in that. That's fabulous. Phil Lawler, Dave Arnold from uh, Adventures in Odyssey, every night here, Monday through Friday, 8 o'clock on Word FM, the brand new Young Wit, The Shroud of Secrecy, which is a serial, as well as The Blackguard Chronicles. A book three is out right now. Highly recommended. Check it out. Also, too, the Adventures in Odyssey a contest. Enter for a chance to win a summer family getaway in Colorado Springs. It ends tomorrow, so go to wordfm.com. Hey, guys, thanks an awful lot. Really, it's been a great pleasure to sort of peel back the curtain to see Adventures in Odyssey. Big fans. Love you guys. Thanks an awful lot. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. 
If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit, 800-290-7100. That's 800-290-7100, 800-290-7100. She just made me feel so comfortable, and I've been going to her ever since. After avoiding the dentist for years, an emergency led Pamela to Dr. Megan Stock. She made me feel very much at ease. She didn't make me feel shameful about the condition of my teeth, and she was just very easy to talk to. She not only found a dentist, she found a friend. I am confident that when I'm finished that I'm going to have a bright, beautiful smile, which I really wanted to have for a long time. Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. She's coming to the Pittsburgh East Campus of Amplify Church. It's an evening with Amy Grant. A night of inspiration, stories, songs, and more. Saturday, May 4th. Tickets are going fast at itickets.com. Don't miss an evening with Amy Grant. Coming May 4th to the Pittsburgh East Campus of Amplify Church. On sale now. Robinson Township Christian School celebrates a 40-year legacy of producing college-bound, lifelong learners whose lives are marked by wisdom, knowledge, and a compassion for others. At the airport area's only K-12 classical Christian school, students grow to love learning, think deeply, and communicate effectively from a biblical foundation. Robinson Township Christian School, now enrolling preschool through 12th grade at rtcsonline.org. Calling all cruisers, the Irwin Business and Professional Association presents their 28th annual Spring Car Cruise on Main Street this Saturday from noon to 5 p.m. Just $10 to enter. So come out, have fun, and discover Irwin, the biggest small town in Pennsylvania. Got issues with youth or high school sports? Positive Coaching Alliance can help. PCA, a national nonprofit offers more than a 1,000 free online resources for youth and high school sports coaches, parents, students, and administrators. Visit PCADevZone.org. I hear that. It's sort of feel like, you know, hanging out in the bubble room with Bing Crosby or something. Um, as a, a believer in Jesus Christ, do you feel discriminated against? Do you ever feel that way? I mean, if you are not a believer, you know, there are people who would go, oh, really? Christians are discriminated against? You know, they roll their eyes. But I'm looking at uh, online at CT, Christianity Today. Uh, this is from Pew, Pew Research. They say this, that half of Americans say that evangelicals are discriminated against, which surprises me. Now, is there some discrimination? Um... I don't. I don't know if there is. Uh, I can't speak to that. But is there a bias? Oh, there's definitely a bias. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, especially in you know, if you wade into the secular media, there's no doubt about that. Um, 
But this new report reveals that Americans see discrimination on the rise or holding steady across demographic uh, demographic groups, with evangelical Christians and Jews experiencing a significant uptick over the past year. The number of Americans who say Jews face some level of discrimination in the United States has increased by 20%. Now, look, it's easy to see that or to say that here in the city of Pittsburgh, right? Um, the shooting at the Tree of Life really raised that specter about uh, Jews and the hatred towards Jews in this country or in this world. Um, and I think people may have been blind to that before or just um, – just ignorant of the fact that there is discrimination against Jews. And, of course, the narrative of Jewishness in this world, you know, that Jews control media, Jews control banking. Uh, you know, that, that, to me, that's rubbish. Uh, but there's certainly a, a lot of discrimination against Jews in this world. I have, I have no doubt about that. So it, in many ways, when I hear President Trump uh, defending Israel, I nod my head and go, yeah, yeah, uh, go for it, President Trump. Uh, but evangelicals, that's a whole other story. And now you as a believer in Jesus Christ, my guess is at some point you have felt not, I, I can't say discriminated against, but I can say that there is a bias. Uh, we have a more precarious place, I believe, in the spotlight, uh, the views on social issues like marriage and sexuality. Of course, the secular world has their very strong percep- perception and their celebration of those things. And we are looked as, you know, the curmudgeons, the people that are in the dustbin of history, out of step with the world is now because they tell us, you know, things are changing. This is how things are changing. So you better get with us or, you know, you're just going to be totally washed away. Well, I do believe that that ship has sailed. Now, I know that, you know, I've said this before. I'm like, hey, John, grow a backbone because, you know, you think that. Look. God can work in miraculous ways, and certain he can change the culture. Is it a salvation issue for me? No way, shape, or form. No. Do we need to love those who are around us who are crying out for some sort of what they perceive as justice and recognition? Undoubtedly, yes. But at the same time, when you see, you know, a masterpiece cake shop and, and uh, you know, people just being nudged to sort of bend to the culture, yeah, that just makes you angry. It does, because you think, oh, lives are being ruined, uh, livelihoods are being washed away, that we're supposed to get in line here, and if we don't, then we're just, we're the haters, we're the bigots. So I don't know if there's discrimination, but I do know that there's a bias about that, and uh, we'll be just kind of curious about what your thoughts about that as well. Perhaps we'll, uh, we'll open up the phones up as Kath comes back into to the show tomorrow, tomorrow at some point. Yeah. And with that as well, in my daily reading, how about the Satanist church? Don't you? That does that. Does that drive you crazy? You know, the uh, Satanist uh, temple apparently has been verified as a real religion this week by none other than the IRS. So, you know, the the Satanic Temple has filed the paperwork as a five hundred one c three. They are a, a nonprofit now. They've got a tax exempt status, which you know a lot of Christian churches, all Christian churches to some degree or another, have that as well. And so here, again, the Satanic Temple, this is not really a church. This is just a response to Christendom, that they, you know, people who are atheists who want to nudge along and say, well, Christians somehow have a, a special place in society, that they don't pay taxes, the local church doesn't pay taxes. So why they're making a point here. So again, it goes back to discrimination or bias. Peace be with you. <laughs> Peace be with you. The the God is with us all. 
And I hope that as you lay your head down this evening, you give the prayers, thanks and gratitude to the Lord of the universe, to Christ the Savior, who hung on the cross for us. Thanks for being with us. Have a great night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.